Hi everyone, good morning. You're listening to our plus sessions. So it's episode number two today. Episode number two. Our uh, plus is a platform for discussions on architectural culture and things related to our built environment. But before that, I'd like to thank everyone who listened in on our first episode, as it got quite a good reach for a pilot. And now we are also on Apple Podcasts. Yes, so more option to you guys. And you are here today with Arina and myself, Sam, and we'll be talking about work from home today. Expanding upon the discussions during IG live sessions with GDP Architects and other topics related to the health and well-being of working from home and new ways of working or future working among other topics. So the first the first topic that we will jump into is basically work from home and the shift in the way we work and live with Arena. Go ahead Arena. Hi, hello guys. So I'm just going to talk a bit about working from home, the shift in the way we work and live. Um, just looking into the pros and cons of working from home, so looking into, you know, work efficiency and productivity. Since, you know, um, since some of us has been working at home for the past two months, and I feel like it's, it's still a dream because, you know, what this, this has been a dream for many, for many people. You know, we have always talked about, you know, I wish I could work from home. I wish we could just work from home, stay at home today, and you know, come to office tomorrow. But now, guys, it's a it's a reality, and for some, it's a bless, and for it's it's a blessing in disguise, and for some, it might not be. So, we're just gonna have a look into um, working from home. Um, so, you know, um, technology has played such an important role in everything we do. And has changed the way that we do things. Um, everything has gone digital, basically, and we don't rely on traditional methods and means anymore. So, with the technology that we have today, the way we interact and live are very much different from what we did five to ten years ago. And it's no doubt that te- that, that technology plays a huge role in, in 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 businesses. So, in order to work from home, we need the we need to have the right tools and software, right, to to be able to work um, efficiently. So, working in an architecture company, um, software and equi- equipment plays a vital role in, in architects' work, right? It, it allows us to work more productively and get, and get the job done. Mm-hmm. And this goes to every business as well, I'm pretty sure. But one of the big issues that, that I think everybody encountered when we first go into, into this work-from-home mode was the, you know, trust. So, it, it, working remotely requires a, a trust system base between the team leaders and employees. And, you know, it's like how much work you've actually done. And I feel like once a system is in place, each team member would know what is expected, expected of them, right? And it also allows work hours flexibility, you know, have your own time management. And ultimately, it will also lead to, you know, building your own confidence in, comp- in completing your own work. Um, this can be seen in big tech co- companies like IBM and, and, and Microsoft. They have done this for, the, for years, and you could actually see that it works. 
And the main reason that it works was because they have a strong work system in place, you know, a strong working structure that allows the employees to be able to work remotely. And I feel like even though there are some advantages to be able to work from home, um, there are also some, you know, not so... Um, advantages points to it. Lah. Yeah, yeah. Um, for example, you know, the absence of human interaction is, is something obvious, is something that we all, um, we all experience. You know, basically because we're all social creatures, you know, social animals. We need interactions, we need something to feed our mind. Mm. And, you know, in, in, in an office environment, we learn and connect from, from one another. So within, you know, within these two months, long period of isolation can increase to, you know, the risk of um, overworking, you know, and even to your, to your health as well. I mean, that's true. I mean, this lockdown has shown that we need interaction during work interaction with people with colleagues it's proven that uh, i mean this period has actually tested us lah, that we can't go full isolation until a better version of a digital immersion exists such as a richer vr or ar experience but it's good that a rethink of the nature of work in an office uh, is good at this moment in time so what are the actual productivity rates that is uh, encountered between you know uh, a work from home employee a remote employee and basically working in the office i mean we actually try to dig up some data lah, to substantiate the 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 difference mm-hmm. so in a 2019 survey by air tasker it says that um, the researchers surveyed out of 1000 full-time employees throughout the, U- the u.s going through their productivity, the commutes, and other aspects of their lives. So among that, like 500 people worked remotely. And the study found that working from home uh, really benefits employees by eliminating their daily commutes. So it also increased their productivity and led to a healthier lifestyle, naturally. So it's a win-win situation that workers enjoy for its flexibility. But that comes at the cost of work-life balance. But of course, all employees, employers, they worry about a dip in productivity. But the opposite is actually true. According to the study, telecommuters work 1.4 more days every month, or on average, like 17 more days per year than people who worked in an office. That says, that says I mean, quite a lot. Lah. I mean, basically because, I mean, you, you're engaged more, but, and then you're, you're doing less unnecessary things like like maybe less unnecessary meetings you no know, com- cutting a lot of commuting time and 54% out of remote workers say they felt overly stressed during the workday i mean that's due to you know you, your work actually continuing on and a ma- uh, like 37% of remote workers say that they pro- procrastinated on a task until its deadline but it's, it's almost the same with 35% of office workers. So mm. it's, it's just that we do procrastinate in general. So one of the down, downsides of working from home is that it can be difficult for employees to connect with their workers. But uh, an interesting data is that 70% of respondents said maintaining relationships 
with their co-workers was just as important as their job. I mean, that, that says a lot, meaning that uh, a lot of people prioritize work over relationships. I mean, to say that that's a good point in how we should move on with improving human interaction under limited physical contact space. I mean, as a segue before we jump into personal wellness, uh, as we discussed on our previous IG live session with, on the GDP page. Um, as, as Sam mentioned before, I think for as, as um, even though many people enjoy working from home, I think they, in a way along the line, they, they sort of lost the work-life balance. And I want to I talk about it, you know, the, the work boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a clear, a clear division between work and personal time is very, very important. And um, I think for, for many people, unplugging has been one of the biggest issues. And sometimes there is a blurred timeline of work and life. Mm. So, you know, we tend to work longer hours now that we feel that we're, we're available, you know, 24 hours a day. And that alone can bring anxiety and affects your health and personal wellness overall in the long run without, without we even um, realizing it. Mm. And from what I've learned, um, you need to know your boundaries. So, you know, um, to help you with that, for example, you can keep a timesheet and track what you need to do for the day. And once you've completed it, completely log off. Don't reply to any texts, messages, emails until the next of the next day of working. And you know, moving to um, mental health, um, you know, our daily lives has changed so sudden. Different living situations have different impacts. Singles that are living alone and students that are away from their family, you know, you know, you tend to be more stressed. And those with dependents, children, and parents, you get to spend more time with them. But then you have to sort of manage your working time and you know and trying to play with your kids itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, working, sorry, a World Health Organization actually introduces some measures in helping us to cope with, with the pandemic because our anxiety and fear of the disease can be very, very stressful. So here is some of the advice that they have mentioned. So it's important to have a routine. So eat healthy meals at regular times, exercise regularly, and and always allocate time for working and time for resting. So you can see that, you know, the balance of work and resting is, is crucial for you to have. And always make time for doing things that you enjoy as well. Um, another one advice that they mentioned was to seek for professional help. So, you know, if you feel that something is unbearable, seek professional help because there is no re- replacement for psychologists and psychiatrists. And know that it is, it is perfectly okay to consult with a mental health professional. We, we actually had a GDP IG live session, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, and we invited Dr. Daniel, who is a nutritionist by profession, um, to talk about, you know, how do, we, how do we mentally prepare ourselves to return to our workplace? And a few of the a few of advice that he mentioned was to um, acknowledge the new normal. One of the new habits to practice is physical distancing. So there's a preliminary study done in New England Medical Journal describing a person in what they call a super spreader. So these people are people who are infected with the virus, but they show no symptom. So they might actually cause a new outbreak 
without them knowing. So it is very important to socialize without having physical contact. Um, another one was to cook your own food. So any exposure you have outside can increase the risk of getting infected. And do not neglect your healthy lifestyle. So Dr. Daniel emphasized on this point, on this very point, because you need to keep your immunity strong because your immunity is what keeps you from falling sick. Mm. So always keep yourself hydrated and keep your exercise routine and always get enough rest. So just talking about, you know, preparing ourselves to go back into the workplace. So the transition from working from home to going back to work, to office can be, you know, a sudden shift for many people. And companies have to take serious precautions and issue an SOP to ensure that everybody is aware of the regulations and procedures, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually have a responsibility in making the employees feel safe and healthy and valued in their workplace. We can see that um, big, big tech companies like Facebook and Google have taken the initiative to allow their employees to work from home until the end of the year. And Twitter came out recently and took an even further action by allowing their employees to work from home forever. So, I, uh, I, Sorry, just to jump in. I, yeah. Someone tweeted that that's if they, they, they survive forever. La. <laughs> they, they will survive forever when the fire is. Okay. <laughs> And um, in terms of local companies, uh, PNB made quite a news over the weekend with their, annou- uh, with their announcement of allowing their employees to work remotely permanently as well. So you can see that these little initiatives and uh, move by the employers um, sort of have um, um, so, uh, sort of have you know looking into the shift in the way we work and how office places has changed differently, right? Hmm, I mean, it's, it's worth noting that most of these, like, in, like the shift or the demand in the shift is due to, to basically the younger generation in wanting to really, you know, change the idea of working. Right. I mean, and this has basically given them, like, a, a more, like, more stimuli la, to actually shift from that condition of the past like to a new 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 type of setting mm-hmm. so the shift to work remotely is further accelerated during this virus during this virus outbreak and possible due to everyone experiencing this period at once so a total demographic spectrum of old and young workers in the same boat like a big experiment that everyone is partaking in and everyone is experiencing so we have to acknowledge also that in this time of crisis there are those not able to work remotely so all their work is completely detached from the online work meaning essential workers grocery store workers cleaners hawker store sellers etc i mean as well as not being digitally literate to be able to transfer the jobs online to enable more business opportunities to occur so so there's an interesting article we found on the Wall Street Journal titled The Lucky Stay at Home, 37%. So that states that those working from home are typically already in a more economically secure position with higher household incomes, higher levels of education and full-time salaried jobs. Among those uh, with jobs with advanced degrees, an 83% remote uh, report working remotely compared to only 35% of those uh, that have only high school degrees. 
So it's very much a socio-economic condition as well. If you're able to, you know, work from home, that's just one of the, just one of the things that the virus has actually able to highlight as 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 a socio-economic factor. Two thirds of them like a college degree, the exact opposite of a working from home uh, set. Lah. They are less likely to be white and more likely to be black or Latino, surprisingly. I mean, those are the racial groups uh, hard, particularly hard hit by the virus. So in the US, colored people are four times as more likely to get the virus due to their socioeconomic background. So that is a very disheartening point, to say the least. So in that respect, I think there are those of us in a much better position uh, that should take a more active role in helping others that we are, you know, that we know are in a less fortunate situation, within within whatever capacity that we have, or at least acknowledge that we are all in this together as a society. So what's next in terms of, you know, the office trend? What's next? How are we moving forward with basically going back to the office? So um, about this, we actually did an um, Instagram poll on our um, Instagram page. And the question that we asked was, if you were given the option to work full-time, I mean, to work from home full-time, would you? And the choice of answers were yes, no, and split shifts. And, and almost 50% have voted to work in split shifts. So from here, we can see that people like the option of being able to work from home, you know, to work remotely and to come to office when it's needed, you know, to hand in work or for meetings. And we could actually see a rise in this remote workforce and to expect the work from home trend to continue after the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Although whether that will be a permanent move or a temporary trial period remains to be seen. So since some of us have started to go back into the workforce last week, and and obviously we are going back to a very different office environment, so office spaces will probably have to be altered in order for people to feel safe being there, and that could mean a reversal of the open office trend. Um, following the last global recession in 2008, companies have been trying to do more in less spaces, right? That meant packing more and more people into open office spaces, a practice known as densification. But now, with the pandemic, the conversation is shifting to how do we de-densify to create the physical distancing that we need more than ever? I mean, this could mean more private spaces, more personal offices for individuals. So I think there's a discussion right now. Say People are saying that, you know, the cubicle is back. Because it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, we just came out of, you know, the whole open, open office typology and everyone is like rooting for that. But now, it seems like the cubicle is back. But, you know, at what capacity? So basically, in keeping a distance, the general six feet social distancing rule still applies and also applies to conferencing rooms. And people are encouraged to collaborate virtually whenever possible and basically minimize physical contact, unless absolutely necessary. So what are the short-term fixes? Uh, 
to your office environment or you could apply to your office environment. So there's a challenge in areas where desk space is tight, such as some open benching layouts. In situations where existing desk spacing is less than six feet apart, consider using every other desk to create a buffer. So rethink dynamic and unassigned seating. So a rotated assigned seating to individuals over a length of time. It's ideal that employees to space employees so that they don't face each other if possible. And one of the easiest one of the easiest way to actually improve on the office condition is to basically ramp up cleaning protocols. Just frequent up the uh, the the amount of cleaning up that you know the cleaners usually do in the office and basically cultivate a culture of hygiene among workers. It's a simple but highly effective method at curbing the COVID-19 virus spread. So, I mean, looking into long-term fixes, how, how would employers adapt to upgrading their office offices? So one of the options is to upgrade their uh, air filtration systems into a uh, quite an advanced one that displays real-time air quality measurements on their you know, tablets. And it will serve as a continuous disinfectant, improving air quality by reducing airborne and surface contaminants. So a, a, a note to take is, you know, we should by now learn from sick building syndrome, a syndrome where uh, people are known to get sick within a building because of them staying long hours within a building with not enough sufficient ventilation or basically it's not that hygienic in the long run. Mm. So on that note, I mean, we should also also learn from, you know, healthcare, healthcare facilities in terms of, you know, touchless features in interior design elements, including touchless faucets, automated window shades, motion sensor or voice activated hardware, door hardware, especially for public spaces, you know, lobbies, lobby lifts. And co-working will most likely change and will not be a working model at this time because the strangest thing is a bit, you know, not suitable right now. But it's a good time for employers to actually empower staff right now. So consider offering the option for people to return back in waves, back in rotations, allowing employees a greater sense of control over their health and well-being, and be open to new ways of working. So habits will change, and we will have found more efficient ways of collaborating virtually. So we should embrace these changes and bring it back to the office post-COVID. I mean, if, if, we, if we are aware that there are some new habits that are formed which is beneficial, then we should definitely continue with it. Right, and then I think some of the um, alternative workspaces that, that, that we have looked into is a marketing company in the US called um, Inspira who have decided to support their employees that are working from home. So they have supplied them with you know monitors and um, laptops so they can be productive and feel safe at home. So you know on the on the bright side, um, the company saved a lot of money on um, office spaces and rents and um, electric bills. 
And I think that this way of working actually works. And perhaps this is something that the employers uh, will start to think about, or, you know, will need to think about, you know, do we need office spaces that's, you know, so huge and spend a lot of money on resources? And do people need to come in or, you know, we can just do remote working? Hmm, good point. I mean, there's a, another flip side is that uh, I think I've discussed with it with you before, like what happens when, you know, half of the office is not there and you have half of a rented space within the office unused, but it's still running because you, need, so you still need to pay. So there's the immediate question of how employers decide to reorganize the office with regards to what program to, to fill in to counter for the fact that half of your office is unused rent. So, I mean, it's a good question for everyone to ponder on, basically. Yeah, I mean, what happens to half of your office? Do you change it with some other meaningful program to replace the empty chairs and tables? Like, more, I don't know, like a more engaging conversation lounge or more, more like um, open meeting area to counter for, you know, the COVID uh, interactions. I mean, that's a, that's a good point to go forward with. So, is there any other thing you want to add, Arena? Um, I think that this is, a, this is a whole field that, you know, people have not yet explored. Mm. And, you know, working for whom depends on your, on your line of work. That's true, that's true. So, you know, a bit, and, and a lot of things that we talked about before is was just hypothetical and, you know, some of it are now being put into place. Mm. We can actually see that it's doable. And, you know, but, you know, and again, it depends on your line of work, whether it is working problem, actually a working model for your business. But if it does, you know, um, employees can start to think about it in the, in the long run because this pandemic will not end by the end of the year and, you know, who knows when the cure can be, can um, found. Can be found. Mm. So it's a, it's a good start to think about it. Like really think about it. Really think about it. That's true. I mean, that basically, I mean, before ending, there's another point. I guess it's a good time to reflect on building community and reinforcing, you know, an organization's culture and strengthening relationships with colleagues. It, that's still at the core of what a workplace is all about. And I think within this period, the whole idea of trying to, trying to you know, engage with one another, trying to... Strength, and get through this together. Yes, I think that's an important aspect as a company. I mean, it's good for employers and employees to also test each other out. If they're... I mean, one can see if your employers are... Do they actually care about you? You can actually see it quite quite clear during this time and then the, the same is true with your employees you know if, if if you can see how engaged they are with their work even through this hard time so it, it definitely makes a more better reading in terms of each other's relationship with regards to working in this in this quite uh, tough times so basically that sums up episode two on looking at work from home and the shifts that we're going through and how we're reacting to it through this uh, unprecedented time. So thank you, thank you to the audience for listening in to this episode. And in the next episode, we'll have a different 
type of format. So it'll be a more discussive type of format with a guest panel. So hopefully you guys can still tune in. It'll be a good guest panel. We, pro- we promise you. Yes, we have some, some good line of, line of speakers coming up. Yeah, definitely. So as usual, we'd appreciate, appreciate any feedback on our sessions. You can email us at r.gdparchitects at gmail or similarly just DM us on our Instagram at our handle r.gdp. Till next time, this is Sam and you have Arena. All right.